Hi, I'm Megan Francis. And I'm Dave Kroc. And this is the LifeWork Podcast. In this show, we'll explore what it really takes to build a business while designing a life that matters. Nick Ruffini is a professional drummer and host of the Drummer's Resource Podcast that interviews the best pros in the world in his niche. He's a multiple-time entrepreneur and student of success. Nick's released a top 50 record under his name, been featured in Modern Drummer, Drum Magazine, and all of the other top media in the drumming world. As a, as a drummer myself, uh, it's an honor to be able to interview a guy like this and to talk about some just fantastic things. Uh, Nick and I met through a brand new audio social network, and in this interview, we have a really candid conversation about what it takes to make it in the music industry, the importance of self-education, choosing happiness, and many other other subjects without any further blabbing from me nick ruffini nick welcome to the show what's happening dave thank you for having me man i appreciate it you bet you bet i'm looking forward to this conversation we have a we have an interesting semi-shared history in in the sense of both musicians turned entrepreneurs who still play a little bit uh both drummers both Mm -hmm. with podcasts and uh and here we are and here we are I thought you when you were saying we have a shared history, I thought you were going to say of like of how we met. And I was going to say, basically, if anybody wants to retrace the steps of our relationship, they could just go online and find it. <laughs> it's, it's all there. It's all public. It's right there. Hey, this is Dave and you're 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 Nick and, and we're having a conversation. Hey, we should talk sometime. Yeah, it's, yep. it's all there right on the the new audio social network called Anchor. Mm-hmm. So are you still anchoring quite a bit? You know what? I'm not. I'm not. I I was really into it for a little bit, and I just, I'm waiting for a little bit more eyes and ears and attention to be there. Yeah, yeah. So, it's, I, I think it's amazing, though. I really do. Yeah, it is. It's effort, right? Obviously, it was as all social networks are, it's effort, but mm-hmm. um, just the, the depth of interaction was pretty cool. You know, I think, I think the fact that we, we were able to have a, a legitimate conversation, you and I, and, you know, that led to a great phone call, and here we are uh, on a podcast, and... and mm-hmm you know, looking out for each other and that kind of stuff. It's, uh, I, I think that there's something interesting about hearing the person's voice. There's something that makes it intimate. There's something that makes it genuine. That's why I really love anchor, but I just haven't, I, I, I don't know. I'm not going to make an excuse or I just haven't been doing it. So yeah. Well, it, like I said, it takes time. It's something that you got to invest right. in. And like you said, if the, if the, I was going to say eyeballs, but if the ears aren't there yet, then, uh, you know, it's it might be might be coming a little uh, along the way, but it's only a few months old now. So I think right. it's it'll it'll uh, it'll find its its sea legs. And not to not to go off on too much of a tangent, but I was I've been thinking about doing maybe like a daily podcast, and I was like, you know what? Let me try to do a daily anchor for like a month. Mm-hmm. And if I can do that, then maybe I can do a podcast. You know? Yeah. So I could maybe even use it as sort of a proving ground, just to see if you can come up with if you can continuously create the content and keep up with that that schedule every single day it's hard right no kidding no kidding i mean the the commitment is low i guess if you're only doing like a minute right or a couple minutes a, a day but just right. to have the content to plan it out in advance to have it be engaging you know having put posing questions out there and for those of you that are listening that that have no idea what we're talking about um anchor.fm if you head to that website or if you find the the app in the the app store for whatever platform you're on uh it's a new social media network that uses audio so you're making posts just like you would on twitter or facebook but uh it's only with your voice so you're you're actually talking and then people respond to you with their voice so you have these these audio chains that go and you it is a, i agree with you nick it's it's got so much depth to it in terms of what happens immediately in getting to know some people mm-hmm. um and i've i've done business already off of anchor which is which That's is awesome. pretty interesting so 
it's so like a, they're like micro podcasts. They're cool. Yeah, yeah. You could. Yeah, that's one way for anybody to podcast. You could just have if you had one subject that you liked, you could just talk about that for two minutes a day or as many times a day as you wanted to, and people would engage and interact with that from all mm-hmm. over the planet. And it's a little bit like Twitter in the sense that people can find you and they can listen to your stuff without having to actually be connected. Um, right. Whereas Facebook, you've got to have that prior relationship. So. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. good stuff. So good stuff. So hey, speaking of social media, I saw you got the the Chris Saka fave there on on Twitter the other day. Yeah, I'm trying. <laughs> That's pretty nice. Well, I I mean I do want to connect with him. So Chris, if anyone knows Chris, tell him to call me or something. I don't know. But there was I I, I spoke at this uh, this festival this weekend. It was a really cool festival. It's called Propeller Festival. It was here in Hoboken. Uh, and I spoke. Gary Vaynerchuk spoke. Uh, James Altucher spoke. Um, a couple other people who I had no right sharing the stage with, but there was a guy walking around that looked exactly like Chris Saka. <laughs> had like the ugly cowboy shirt, the beard, like totally looked exactly like him, but wasn't him. And if you're at a tech conference and you look and dress like Chris Saka, I think that you're doing it on purpose to try to get some attention. Yeah, I was going to say, you think he was doing that just to just to see what he could do? He had in? to. He's he's the second tier like VC, you know. He's 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 picking off the <laughs> yeah. he's picking off the lookalike uh, deals. Yeah, yeah. He's like that's what I was thinking because somebody said, well, maybe it is because a buddy of mine was like, well, he doesn't know who Chris Saka is, and he goes, well, maybe it is Chris Saka. I said, listen, we're at a tech conference. If that was Chris Saka, that dude would not be able to walk around this place. It would be getting hounded by everybody pitching him their their latest and greatest idea. No kidding. No kidding. So it was definitely not him. But I don't know why I, for like the last week this Chris Saka has kept showing like he was in my dream like he offered me some deal and like and then I saw this dude that looked at him and then uh, I pulled up YouTube and one of the recommended videos was him or something so I don't know maybe there's something out there that's brewing and maybe yeah. I'll be working with Chris Saka soon I don't know there you go the universe is conspiring to put the two of you together at this point I I'm, think. I'm happy with that I'd be totally okay with that yeah yeah so Chris if you're listening let's let's do this thing let's make it yeah, happen let's- Let's have it. <laughs> yeah. So, Nick, let's talk a little bit about your story because I, I think it's pretty interesting just, just in terms of the, the big, the big uh, subjects of your career. But I want to talk about your music career uh, okay. and then we'll kind of get to the, the concept of making it in the music business because there, there are a mm-hmm. lot of uh, – it boggles my mind how many entrepreneurs are also musicians out there. Uh, it seems to me it's at least a, a, a 50-50 shot that somebody mm-hmm. who is an entrepreneur is also plays some instrument, at least the people I've met. Right. Um, and some don't actually talk about that until you actually get into that conversation. But um, so your history, let's talk a little bit about how you got started in music and uh, what happened from there. Man, uh, so I'll try to make it pretty short. Like somebody, my my family had a party and my brother was sort of messing around with the drums a little bit, and but didn't own a set. And they brought this drum set up to my parents' house. They were they were having a party, and my brother's band was or pseudo band. They weren't really a band, but they were going to play. And the person who brought the drum set up just left them there for two months. And I was about fourteen or fifteen years old, and I started playing them. And the guy came to take his drums away, and I was like, "No, I don't want you to take them away." So he ended up taking them away. My brother bought a drum set. And so it worked out well because we were all still young, still living at home. So then when my brother moved out, I was like, oh, well, I better go buy a drum set. And he was super cool about it. Like my brother actually brought me to the music store, helped me pick out all the drums and then co-signed the loan for me to buy them. Oh, that's awesome. 
Uh, my my, I have like the coolest older brother, man. Not to get too sappy, but he would like he would bring me to the record store at midnight on Monday night so that I could pick up the new record that came out on Tuesday, and like always brought. And he's six years older than me. He would always like bring wow. me around to hang out with his older friends, and I super cool older brother. He's always been so. Um, so a lot of the a lot of what I have uh, in terms of the the music success and things, a lot of it I owe to him just because of how supportive he always was. But anyway, uh, I digress. So the uh, so I you know went and bought a drum set and started practicing my ass off and and uh, started bands through high school and stuff like that. And then once I got into college, started taking it really really seriously and started touring all over the all over the country and and started a band with some guys I went to high school with and some other people that we grew to a really big uh, nationally touring band, tour buses and all that. And uh, yeah, so did that until I was 20, you know, 25 years old or something like that. And then launched my own solo career, put out a top 50 record under my own name with some other some other guys. Uh, And now I'm a podcaster. (laughs) And, and, And boom, and here you are. And so, now here I am. And yeah. now here you are. So so let's talk a little bit about um, what it was like being in the music industry. I know you know we talk a lot of business nowadays, um, mm-hmm. but a lot of people who are musicians and want to make it, quote unquote, um, don't often. And this is my story. I didn't realize what it took from a business standpoint to you know promote what you're doing, to attract an audience, to you know, fi- create product that is uh, attractive both to the the business side of the music industry, but also fans, um, in order to kind of garner that that ongoing momentum, so that uh, uh, money would would be put behind you. But how did you figure out the business side of it as you were in it? And was that something that became you know? Did you have prior history in business that kind of led into helping with that, or was it something you learned along the way by trial and error? Well, I. I grew up in business. My family, my dad's an entrepreneur. We've owned five different restaurants. Uh, my, you know, my dad's owned a couple of different businesses. And I used to read Entrepreneur Magazine when I was 10, 11, 12 years old. And I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I didn't even know what an entrepreneur was. I know I was like, I don't know what this word means, <laughs> but whatever but I, it is. But I want to do that. You yeah. know, I, I want to be in this magazine. And I and so business has always spoken to me, one, because I grew up in it. And two, it's just always been really interesting. You know, I don't know if it's because of that or, or, or what or, you know, because of growing up in it. But mm-hmm. so I don't I didn't consciously go into the music business thinking, OK, we have to run this like a business and like I have to take all this stuff that I learned from the restaurant business and and apply it. But I guess subconsciously I was doing that. I was just doing things that just came natural to me. And I was every band that I was in, every situation that I was in, I was always the guy. Like I was always the business guy or I was always the person leading the team or I was always the person, uh, you know, in charge, quote unquote, and not not from a power position. It it was just something that I naturally did and everybody would sort of get behind me mm-hmm. um so navigating the waters of the music business i would always just sort of say you know if it if it doesn't make sense it doesn't make sense you know mm-hmm. so when we would go on the road in the beginning it depend depending on where we were going who we were playing with how many people we were playing in front of i would say okay is this is this a sort of a justifiable marketing expense or is this a revenue generating endeavor so mm-hmm. i look at i look at gigs i i've always looked at gigs in 
in a couple different ways. There's one gigs that that pay you a lot of money, but don't give you a ton of exposure. So mm-hmm. you you can look at a gig like a wedding gig or a corporate gig. Uh, they pay a lot of money, but nobody's getting famous from playing at a wedding gig by and large. Like let's just to generalize. Yeah. yeah. So there's there's gigs that pay a lot and don't give you a lot of exposure. There's gigs that pay a lot and give you a lot of exposure. Those are the best, obviously. Mm-hmm. And then there's gigs that don't pay a lot and don't give you or and do give you a lot of exposure, so they are they're totally worth it. And then there's gigs that don't pay a lot and don't give you any exposure, and those are the gigs that I always tell people to avoid. Mm-hmm. So rather than and everybody's seen it before if you've been in the music business, you go and play at a club in New York or philly or anywhere and there's five other bands on the bill there's Mm -hmm. three people in the club two of them are bartenders and you're playing for 25 minutes for 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 quote unquote exposure there's nobody nobody you're paying to drive there and drive back and time and money and effort and all that when you might as well just stay home and practice with the band and and improve your craft but if you're going to go and open for a band like dave matthews band and they say we're going to give you a hundred bucks that is beyond worth it, in my opinion. So I always categorized every gig that we did in those four groups and would say, okay, let's see how we can make this work, optimizing all of these and not playing the gigs that aren't going to pay us and aren't going to give us any exposure. Yeah, that sounds a little bit like uh, the Stephen Covey approach to time management. You know, the idea. No, I invented that. I invented that. Oh, well, he took it from you. <laughs> So it, yeah, yeah. So we can see where his his uh, his stuff came from, but uh, yeah, yeah. Well, so I'm, in, I'm actually interested in that. Can what? Yeah. So I'm interviewing you for a second. Okay, that's about. fine. That's what we're we're here to talk biz. So uh, so Stephen Covey in his approach to time management, I think there's a book out called First Things First. Uh, it's 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 been a while since he put that book out, and obviously Stephen has has left us. Uh, although his right. son carries on with some some great books too, but his approach was he he put time things that you could do into four quadrants. There was, there was urgent, but not important. So you had, you had the urgency and you had the importance on, on two sides of the, the spectrum, right? So you had mm-hmm. not urgent, very urgent. You had not important, important. And uh, what tended well. to happen, yeah. So you had, so quadrant one was uh, urgent, but not important. Quadrant two was important, but not urgent. Quadrant three was urgent and important, and quadrant four was was none, right? It was not urgent mm-hmm. and not important. And what he would talk about is, you know, you want to, typically the things we tend to focus on are usually the things that are both urgent and important. But the long-term benefit, the, the things that will bring you the biggest long-term benefit are the things that are important but may or may not actually have some urgency to them. So to actually focus on some of the things that you need to do that you know would move you forward, but maybe there's other things that are pressing that are not as important, to actually take the time to focus on choosing the right gigs, right? Choosing the right things to do that help drive forward what you're, uh, what you're trying to accomplish. And, and for mm-hmm. you and for a musician in the, in the, in the biz, it's, it's, you're trying to reach a certain place. And I think that's, that's what's so interesting to me about the music business is we had, a, we had a great conversation last week on the show here about the idea of can you follow your passion and also make, make a buck at it? Or... Mm-hmm. Should passion, the thing that you're passionate about, should that always be your career, or should there be situations, or maybe you don't make that your main your main gig? It might be more of a side hustle, and you focus on something else for your main career. And I I think it's so interesting to watch how people get into the music industry, expecting a certain outcome, that it's very very slim 
chance that they're going to achieve that outcome. But yeah. there's so many other ways that they could be participating in that industry that they won't even look at. And so, but at the same time, don't make good choices about what sorts of events to be a part of or where to put themselves and, and network, or they think about some of the, the sales skills and selling yourself and what you do as being sort of slimy and, and not interested in participating in those sorts of things. I've always thought it was a very interesting dynamic. You know, it, it is the music business. It's not just it, music, right? It's not the music hang out with your friends. It's the music business. Yeah. Yeah. It's not the music play to three people in the club with four other bands. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It, it's, and, and that's cool if you want to do that. You but know, like I, I don't want to I don't want to poo poo on that yeah. by any means. But understand that you're making the decision to do that. Right. Right. It's not a it's if, if it's, it's not a business decision at that point. It's a it's a hobby or a passion decision. Yeah. And. You know, I I think a lot of people get into this weird headspace, and I see it a lot with because I'm I'm dealing with drummers every single day, that they think that they people are going to look down on them if they're not a professional, like or not a professional, but if they don't do it full time, if they have a day gig or something mm -hmm. like that. And for me, I think it's I who cares, you know, like who it it doesn't really matter. People are like, this is all I want to do is play music, right? Okay, mm -hmm. well then go do that. Well, no, I can't because I have kids and I have a family and I want vacation. I want to go on vacation and all that stuff. And I say, well, then you don't just want to play music. Right. You want to do all of these other things too, which you should do. And you know what? Maybe just music can't give you that. So you have to go get a job. And there's nothing wrong with that. For me, I didn't want to solely depend on touring, playing gigs. And playing sessions because when someone calls me and says, hey, do you want to go do this tour for six weeks and I don't feel like doing it? I don't have to. Mm. And I've, oh, I've never wanted to be in the situation where I'm getting off one tour bus and getting on the next because I need the money to keep coming in. Because the thing that a lot of people don't understand is that there are two types of musicians. There's hired guns and there's sort of owner operators. Mm. So like the drummer for Kings of Leon he own he's part of that band that's a partnership yep. and they all share in the revenue that the band makes but the drummer for say Justin Timberlake he's a hired gun mm -hmm. and he gets paid a weekly salary and when he gets home from the road he doesn't get any more money right he's trading the hour for the dollar yes and people don't realize that about about so these guys can be playing in front of 20 30,000 people a night and making decent bread doing it but they're only doing it for six months and then they come home and then they got to hustle to find the next gig. Mm. I just don't want to be in that situation. And that's cool for other people who do. I'm not knocking anybody who does anything. I'm just saying for me, this is, this is the route that, that I wanted to go. Yeah. And so the way that you kind of approached that was you, you tried to diversify your income streams, right? Essentially. Right. right. And build multiple sources of income. So mm -hmm. then as, as you kind of got to that place, was this kind of, did you reach a point of almost burnout where you kind of, came off a tour and thought, you know what, I need, I need to, I need to be able to say no to these sorts of things. Or how did that, how did it come about that you started to look for other streams of, in, of revenue? I was, I was always, so I mentioned my family has restaurants, so I've mm -hmm. always been involved with all these restaurants. And there was a weird time that our family was splitting, like my, my dad and my uncle were, were splitting one of the restaurants. It was a big fallout. And my brother and I, 
I was home. I wasn't, I wasn't really on the road at the time. And he was like, Hey, do you want to open this other restaurant? So we opened this other restaurant and I got in this weird mindset of, of like, maybe I should just concentrate on building businesses and not concentrate on music, Mm -hmm. which I don't know why. I don't know what was going through my head. I don't know what, you know, why I was thinking that. Uh, and then I did that with him for two and a half years and said, okay, I got to get back into music. I don't, I don't want to just build businesses. Um, so I need, I, I realized that I need both. I need to be actively building businesses and working in businesses and work doing entrepreneurial things. But I also need that creative outlet and I need to create records and I need to play gigs and I need to tour and all that kind of stuff too. Yeah. So I don't know if that really answered your question. Yeah. Well, I think, I think it, it kind of shows the motivation, right? It shows where you're, where you're coming from and, and why you want to do those things. And, and it also talks, speaks to the idea of having a, def, uh, a definition or defining what your life is going to be like, right? To actually mm-hmm. choosing the, the life you want to lead, you know, and I, I think it's, it's important quite often to mention when, when we talk to successful people, you sort of put them into a box that this is what they do and that that's how it, how it goes. But quite often people are, are after, uh, I guess the, the nebulous term success because of what it Mm -hmm. enables them to do, right? Time freedom, um, the ability to focus on not saying no to things. If you, if you didn't want to take, like you say, if you didn't want to take that tour, that gig, you don't have to, you can focus on, on keeping the craft more pure. And, and so for you, when you, got when you when you decided i'm going to go back to the music industry i i need the business part of life or i need business in my life but i also love that creative outlet is that what led to the idea of starting the podcast or how did that how did the podcast now come into to fruition drummer's resource so i was com- i was driving back and forth between uh, between new york and philadelphia and I was listening to podcasts all the time. And at the same time, since I was coming up to New York a lot, I wanted to study with some really famous drummers who were in New York who were getting a little older. I didn't know how longer, how much longer they were going to be around. And I mean, one, for example, was Joe Morello, who's a really famous drummer who mm-hmm. uh, it was supposed to take lessons from. And I passed. I, I just didn't take them. I canceled. Mm-hmm. Meant to reschedule. A week turned into a month. A month turned into a year. And then Joe unfortunately left us and I never got to take the lesson. Right. So I said, I'm going to take lessons with these guys. But I didn't necessarily want lessons. I didn't want to sit down and say, how do you play this or how to I've, I've already mm-hmm. done that. I went to school. You know, like I've, I've already I'm already a professional. I wanted to sit down and talk to these people and learn from them and hear their stories and and just hang out with them. So after a few times of doing this, I said, why don't I record these? So I have them. And then a little bit down the road, I was like, well, maybe other people would want to hear these recordings. So then I released Mm -hmm. the podcast and then I started researching how to monetize a podcast and how to grow an audience and, and, and all of that sort of stuff. And so that's, that's where the, the inspiration behind the podcast and then really where the, where that whole business came about. Yeah, that's great. And, and I'm, I think some, most of our listeners know I'm also a drummer and mm-hmm. for me to listen to drummers resource and listen to the the great in-depth interviews with people that I've, you know, grew up idolizing, flipping through the pages of modern drummer and seeing these people in there and to hear them talk about the industry, to talk about some of the struggles even, or what it takes and what they learned along the way and, and some of the behind the scenes stuff I think is, is just fascinating because, you know, I, I use the term idolize, right? You think of people mm-hmm. in, from the perspective of, oh, this, this, this is unattainable 
unachievable for me. I can't do this, but that guy can. Simon Phillips can do this. I can't do right. that. And to hear people actually talk about how they went through the process that they went to, through to grow their careers and some of the struggles they had, it's it's very interesting to, to realize that there's not that much difference in the base, uh, I guess, the base state that we arrive on this planet in. It's what we do and what we learn and how we respond to uh trials and things like that that actually determines how far we get and it's really interesting mm-hmm. how you've even through the podcast have kind of infused this um it, it's it's not just you interviewing other drummers to learn how to be a better drummer and make it in the music business there's there's principles and there's stuff that you're pulling in from you know some of the self-help literature and and personal development and and things like that into into the the show itself which i think is helping your listeners grow more as people because, I mean, if we back up, right, there's certain things we want to get, but in order to get those things, we've got to do certain things first. Right. But in order to do the things to get what we want, we have to be the person that can do those things. And I think it's really great that you kind of have that focus on on personal development. It sounds like just from the conversations we've had already, you know, you're it's you're a big reader. You absorb a lot of uh, a lot of stuff on on how to be successful and how to think differently about about what you're doing. What what are some of the the big influences for you that kind of led you in that direction? Well, let me rewind a little bit just to touch on thank you for for sort of pulling that stuff out of the out of the podcast because that's always been the mission of it. And because the reality of the situation is the people who listen to my drummer, yes, 99 percent of them are drummers, but they're also moms and dads and accountants and bankers and have full time jobs. And, you know, and some of them are professional, too, and, and they mm-hmm. do nothing else but play. So I wanted to create a community that we sort of teach the principles of and I hate to say this word, but like, quote unquote, success. So sure. yeah. and however you define that. So if you want to lose 20 pounds, if you want to be the CEO of a Fortune 500 company, if you want to get that Justin Timberlake gig, all of these all of these necessary skills and life lessons are all built into the podcast and you can pull them out and extract what you need and use them to go chase after your thing. Mm-hmm. And it's really it's it's sort of hard to to say that in a sentence or two but that's sort of the what i've tried to do because you can go anywhere and learn how to play a certain drum thing you know you can go all over youtube but i wanted so i sort of wanted to niche it out because like that's the stuff that i'm interested to um but you asked the question about how i got turned on to sort of the personal development stuff right right yep I was uh, I was in a hotel room. I was on the road and I couldn't sleep. And the t- so I just turned on the TV just for like some, it was like dead silence in the in the room. So I just turned on the TV for some background noise to try to fall asleep. And they started talking about this guy Napoleon Hill and his laws of success. And I it was like an infomercial, and I was like, oh, this is really interesting. So the next day, I got on Google and I learned about Napoleon Hill, and then I bought Think and Grow Rich. And from there, it was I just started devouring all of that content, like everything from from Napoleon Hill to, you know, seven habits of highly, uh, highly successful people. Or mm-hmm. I think that's the word, right? Is that it? Yeah. Seven habits of, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Another Covey, um, Covey book there. Yeah. Yeah. Covey book. Um, but I, I mean, like literally started going through a book a week of everything that I could get my hands on from from personal development to success to business to goal setting to uh, to all of that stuff and t- 
to be frank, I think a lot of it is a you know sort of smoke and mirrors and sure, and of course, hocus pocus. Yep. Uh, but there is definitely some legitimate lessons in there, and uh, yeah, so I just sort of went down that went down that road and and still do to this day. And the only I you know and I I try to explain to people too that you don't want to go you don't want to just rely on that stuff because I think that people find one book and then they say, Oh, I got to find the next one. And then right. they find the next book and they say, Oh, I just need one more book and then I'm going to get started. Or right. I just need to listen to one more YouTube video and I'm really going to figure it out. You know? And I think that's a, that's a downward spiral. Yeah. It's a trap. What's the, what's the quote? Uh, too much learning and not enough doing will turn you into an over motivated underachiever. That's a great quote. That's fantastic. Yeah, and it it makes perfect sense, right? So it's this blend of actually getting out there and and doing stuff and making mistakes because it doesn't really mean – some of these things don't really mean anything to you if you're not out there in the arena, right? It's the person in the arena that needs to know how to better sharpen the sword and, and, you know, what's the most efficient way to, you know, fight this particular – battle they're fighting or whatever it might be you know the mm-hmm. analogy you want to draw and that's and that's really where a lot of the the process of learning and studying what mistakes other people have made or wisdom that they have to offer really where that can really benefit you is you can bring that into your own life as in the battles that you fight you know mm-hmm. and and i think there are i totally agree with you i think there's so many people that get trapped in this i need to keep learning i need to keep learning i i can't I can't get going yet because I can't see the whole path, you know, and and that's not the way it works. That's not the way it works. I think so many people that have been able to turn around and share some of those life lessons that are just chock full of wisdom only got that wisdom because of, of making just a, a crap load of mistakes. Right. And, I, you know, any whatever you pull out of these things, you have to apply it to what you want out of your life. I think one of the biggest thing, one of the biggest influences I had was the four hour work week and sort of made me realize that. That sort of, that lifestyle design thing mm-hmm. is really is really possible, and so that's always been my focus ever since starting all of this. That I I want to be able to be location independent. I want to I want to live the I want to live my life the way that I want to live it, and it's possible. And that's sort of a scary thing. Yeah. That it, once the doors open and it's oh, yeah. like okay now you have to walk through the door. Now you have to walk through the door, and now yeah now right. you're there's no net, and now you're uh, now you're out here and and stuff is working, and what does that right. mean? And oh yeah, yeah sometimes sometimes when it works, it's it's more scary than when it doesn't. There's a uh, to touch on the thing that you said about taking the first step and you can't see the whole mm-hmm. the whole thing. I was talking to my buddy Nate Morton. He's the drummer for the for NBC's The Voice, mm-hmm. and. He said the thing that people don't realize is that success is like building a bridge while you're walking across it. Yeah. Yeah. There's a there's another quote that I saw is something and, and I know I know there's a, a famous person that said this. I think it is actually Reed Hoffman um, about, you know, jumping off the ledge and growing wings on the way down or building a plane, right. building a plane on the way down might have been the mm-hmm. actual quote. Uh, that's that's what it is. That's what yeah. it is. Yeah. And, and there's there's something about the, the thrill of that that is exciting. But at the same time, most of the really, really successful entrepreneurs that I've talked to and have met, they're, they're not people that are huge risk takers. They have just learned just enough to be able to mitigate some of the downside that could possibly happen and have just made just enough mistakes that they learned to steer clear of certain things. And, and there's kind of a range of results that they're happy with. And, mm-hmm. and it's worth taking those risks because you never know when you're going to have that outside, uh, that outsized success or that, you know, that 10 X return. On people that think that you have to have this sort of reckless abandon and just, right. and just be complete. It's not, you know, people are, 
Oh, was, oh, I'd never be an entrepreneur. That's too risky for me. It's not I, – I, I would never just like take my life savings and throw it into – you know, just throw it all away on, on some business that I think may or may not work out. Right. You know, that's just – that's not – that's sort of the story that gets sensationalized. But I mean – that's not the case. Right. That's not the. That's not reality. No. No. And and again, you can you can read all about it. You can you can find a book that will actually have the the real life story of how these people did what they did in, in right. business and and some of the the risks they took and the risks they didn't take. One of my mm-hmm. favorite uh, uh, c- protect the downside kind of books and just just great wisdom overall is Poor Charlie's Almanac by uh, mm-hmm. uh, Charlie Munger, uh, partner to Warren Buffett. And I, I actually believe more of the genius behind the scenes on a lot of what they've done, because I think until Buffett partnered up with him, uh, things didn't really, really take off. Um, but that those two as a duo, um, just some fantastic results, obviously, that they've yeah. produced over time. But just to read a lot of what, what Charlie talks about, that he learned this idea of having multiple mental models through which to view the world, you know, understanding some a principle from one area, one area of science and how that relates to business and how it relates to the way that humans are, the incentives that we respond to and being able to look through even those three things at a particular problem or, or opportunity that's in front of you and, and kind of being able to balance. Well, I know this is true and this is true and this is true. And I know that people respond this way. So I have a pretty good idea. This end result, this decision I make is going to work out in this direction. And the more you learn and the more you try and actually do and fail and succeed, the the more that those things actually become, that skill, that skill that you learn of being able to take this step without seeing the whole path uh, mm-hmm. sharpens. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good stuff. Agreed. Agreed. That's good stuff. That's my little soapbox there for a second. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so let's talk about some of the the cool things happening in your life right now. Just recently, you, you had a just a giant spread in in Drum Magazine, and, and I grew up I grew up reading Modern Drummer and Drum Magazine, and and like as I mentioned earlier, re- looking at some of the guys in there and, and thinking, wow, that's that's a really cool thing, and it's great to be able to talk to somebody right here on the on the podcast that has had this. Um, what's happening right now for you, career wise? Well, I. I grew up listening or listening to reading Draw Magazine and Modern Drummer too. So to get that delivered to my house and open up and see a two-page spread about me is pretty amazing. I think they were short on content that month or something, but <laughs> uh, they're like, "Oh, we'll just throw him in there." Yeah, we'll so throw some right guy now, in yeah, they're whatever. Anyway, um, so they right now I have the podcast, which is which is growing really quickly. And then I have sort of branched out into other media, not other media, but starting a media company. So I have two other podcasts that have come under my my media company. And then I want to branch off and get into different topics. So the the other two podcasts that I have are both drumming specific. And from there, I want to get into more some business stuff and some entrepreneurial stuff and some some sort of creative art stuff. So, uh, yeah, that's really what I've been concentrating on now. I'm helping another guy run a drumstick company as well. So I'm just an advisor for that. And uh, just kind of right now I'm kind of in in hustle and grind mode. Mm -hmm. I've been really trying to trying to go the site, grow the site. So we're going to be doing some site revisions and launching some uh, some more online course content and, and things like that. So just right now I'm in I'm still in growth mode. I mean, the the business is only two and a half years old. So, yeah. Yeah, well, it seems to be going great so far, from what I can see, and just the outside it, it feedback. Is. Yeah. It is. It, it's going really well. I'm, I'm very fortunate that that it's it's gone this well this quickly. Yeah, no kidding. Well, it's great to see. It's great to see the. Um, I forgot what I was going to ask you. Don't you hate that? 
You, you, I, ever, you, ever, you ever had that happen on the podcast, like constantly? Have I ever had that happen? It happens to me all the time. <laughs> happens you, to me every single time I interview someone. Have you had an episode where you did not screw up? Yeah, that's. <laughs> it seems like that's... The, the, the thing that's interesting to me about podcasting is, I, I think, you know, and I've done some radio... Uh, some radio gigs in in that world and the podcasting world are they're like kind of step cousins to each other but at the same time the whole approach is different and i think what works in podcasting is not necessarily what worked in radio um yeah. you know the the what people are looking for is authenticity they're looking for the feedback we're getting so far on our show is we want to hear more stories we want to hear people t- talk more about what they've been through and the you know struggles and successes and stuff like that re- right. as opposed to principles and 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 you know dissertations and 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 crap that i like to get into quite up quite often actually i start to ramble on about something but i do the same thing yeah. i i think that people to just to sort of add to what you're saying that radio is different in terms of you know, it's a it's a production and it's a it's an entertainment outlet. And I for for me, a lot of the the a lot of the feedback that I get is the same as you that I have. I've got my guests to the point where they know that they're going to come on and we're going to have a laid back conversation. So they tend to open up. They're not as reserved. Mm-hmm. And people comment all the time and they say, wow, I can't believe that you get these guys to sort of put their guard down. And they're not when they come on to my podcast, they're not on, so to speak. So they yeah. are loose, they're laid back, and we're having a conversation, and the audience are just flies on the wall, which mm-hmm. is something that is different than maybe if you read in Drum Magazine or if you meet in Modern Drummer or, or something like that. So I, I agree. Authenticity is, you know, that's, that's, that's the, uh, the winning formula as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and I think people are looking for, they're looking for those tidbits of information they wouldn't get. You know the the behind the scenes, the what was Nick really thinking? You know when he's out on tour and and you know that kind of stuff. The, the the actual what's going through the head of somebody, and also what did they learn along the way? That kind of thing, mm-hmm. uh, which kind and of le- vulnerability. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Which actually leads me to my next question. Uh-oh. For yeah, get ready. So it, no, it's not actually that that uh, that drastic. But w- for you, the 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 music business career right so the career in the music industry what Mm -hmm. did you learn that you can look back on now and say you know what what i thought going in was a complete myth a couple things one i think that the the money to me was i was way off uh you know i thought that people were just you know, you, you you get a gig with like Justin Timberlake and you're buying a Ferrari. You know, I just mm-hmm. I thought that as a, uh, when I was younger, obviously, you know, sure. not not as I got older. Uh, and I realized that number two, it's the music business is no different than any other business. It's who, you know, it's the relationships that you create. I'm telling you right now that you are not getting the gig by being the best drummer in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. You're just you're not you're getting the gig because you are at the bass player's barbecue last week and his wife and your wife are friends and you know your kids play together at school that's how you get that's how you get the Justin Timberlake gig or whatever mm-hmm. uh people people want to work with their friends people want to work with people that they have that you know that they have a lot in common with because when you go on the road for an extended period of time you are you're living with these people mm-hmm. for six months eight months a year two years the last justin timberlake i keep talking about justin timberlake i don't know why but the last justin timberlake tour was two and a half years Mm -hmm. that's a long time to be living in a bus with somebody that you hate right 
So, and to be clear, you didn't, right? What's that? And to be clear, that's the goal: is to not hate the person you're you're sitting with. Exactly. So they're not going to pick someone who they're not. They'll pick anybody. You know, you can be an inferior player. You have to be. Everybody has to be good. Don't get don't get it twisted. You can't be horrible. Right. But but they're not going to say, oh, this guy has this much more chops than this guy. So we'll hire. No, they're going to say, oh, this guy can play the gig and he's super cool. And we think that he would fit in well with this team and we'll go we'll take that person on the road yeah it there's two points that kind of come out of that or two points that i want to make that what you just said made me think of um one is the the idea of emotional intelligence the eq the there's been more studies done recently that your ability to manage your own emotions and the emotions of other people and motivate them and interact with people that that has a huge percentage uh, impact on your success and in, in getting where you want to go and and that mm-hmm. kind of plays in a little bit with what you're talking about right it's we we want to do business we want to be around people we know and like we don't necessarily want to just be around the quote-unquote the best because that doesn't always work out really right. well that way and i know a lot i mean i know every famous drummer in the world and i and 99 percent of those guys that are at that super super high level i mean just like the top one percent are the nicest, most humble, down-to-earth, gracious people you will ever meet in your life. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the reasons why they got there. Yeah. Yeah. The, the principle of, of just flat-out being being a, a good person or a nice person, that, that kind of stuff is, is cannot be overrated. Mm-hmm. I know two guys who are arguably two of the best drummers in the world hands down no questions asked and don't get any gigs because <laughs> they're jerks they're just jerks yeah yep and yeah. nobody wants to, it's like you're hey man we can find somebody that's not as good as you but is a lot nicer and cooler right because because the outcome is bigger than you right I and mean, that's exactly that's the thing to, to exactly to point out. you know the other thing that that as you're describing what it takes and personality wise what's important and being able to interact with people and that we you know we like to work with people we know and like that that doesn't apply. Everything we're talking about here as it relates to the music business and drumming and that side, that that industry is completely. The principles are exactly the same in whatever it is that you're trying to do. So if you're out there listening and you're totally. a graphic designer and you're thinking, I got to be the best graphic designer to to get where I want to go, it's not necessarily about that. It's all of the other stuff that comes with that. And, mm-hmm. and, and for all of us that have started businesses. You know, when you, when for you, uh, the restaurant industry, right? It's you you want that dish to be perfect. You want it to look great, taste exactly how it needs to be, and be what, right. Yeah, what I'm people not are looking for. You should you should you know not pay attention to your craft, right? But it's all the stuff around there that determines your long term success, right? Mm-hmm. It's not it's not making the best chicken parm. It's right. It's ma- it's delivering the best experience around which people can buy chicken parm. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so for you, when you, when you kind of look ahead, you know, you've got a lot of things on the plate right now, you're head down hustle mode. What's the, what's the, the big hairy audacious goal down the road or do you have one? I have, yeah, I have, I have a few. Um, one, I want drummer's resource to grow into more of a, of a platform where you can access all sorts of content, all sorts of media, whether it be podcast, video, uh, you know, lessons, masterclasses, a live interactive thing, almost like a sort of like a creative live almost, but just mm-hmm. for drummers. Mm-hmm. 
and but with some with some different elements and then from there i i'd like to launch more stuff from the media company i would like to become i, I mean the the large hairy audacious goal is i'd like to raise a fund mm-hmm. a venture fund and invest in in creative entrepreneurs and and things like that that's something that's on the radar but not not anything that's going to happen in the near future so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so if you're sitting in my chair and I, I'm sitting here with Nick Ruffini and I'm an interviewer and I like to pull out the nuggets of success and the nuggets that the things that would uh, would lead people that are listening to um, be better than when they first tuned in what what question would you ask you what would what would you want people to know about you mm, what would I want them to know about me yeah I guess that's two questions isn't it <laughs> well, what I would want them to know about me is that once in a while, I sometimes I like I talk about like I want to buy a Ferrari and all this stuff, which I do. And but I, but I want to because of the journey that I would have to go on and sort of the person I have to become to get there. Mm-hmm. And and I talk a lot about making money and making a lot of money. And I think that people hear that as me being greedy but the reason i want to make a lot of money because of the potential that that has Mm -hmm. so that's the only reason i've ever wanted to be super super famous was because imagine the good impact that i could have on Mm -hmm. the world if like like bono does you know if i could have that sort of star power i could man i could change a lot of people's lives with that Mm -hmm. and if i could write a check for a million dollars you know like that could i could really do something to change somebody's life with that. So, and I realize I don't have to make a lot of money to do that, but to operate on a higher level and on a bigger scale, I would, I, yeah, I do. I want to make like ridiculous amounts of money. Yeah. For a purpose. For a purpose. Yeah. 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 So, and some, maybe sometimes I don't, I don't say that part of it about the purpose of it. It's not just a, it's not a greedy thing because I mean, like how much money do you need? You know? Right. Right. I had a chance to sit down with my brother whom, you know, we hadn't, we hadn't really sat face. I hadn't seen him in five years. We've been interacting since, but we, for the first time I got to visit him and, and the kids and his wife, uh, as he graduated college last weekend and we got to sit down for breakfast and we had a great conversation about, cause he's, he's interested in the same sorts of things I am. Um, uh, mm-hmm. he's just graduated with a, with a BA for project management and wants to get into some real estate investing and, and fun things like that. And we've had these conversations for years and you know, the, the idea came up. I, I was talking about how in my own life I'm trying to slowly pare down the things that I'm involved with so that it's just I'm just f- focused in on just the strategic stuff, the stuff I do really well. And um, in that there there's it's not about it's not about the end number. You know, it's not about the the uh, what's in the bank account. It's about the freedom, the impact and the lifestyle that that provides, you know, the, mm-hmm. just the, the freedom is my biggest motivator. Yeah. You know, what's so funny before we started life work, I asked a bunch of entrepreneurs, I said, why do you do what you do? Like what, what, what about it was attractive to you? What did you want? What did you, and, and everybody to a person said, you know, I want to build something great and help people and that kind of thing. But the, the single biggest word or the single word that came up the most was freedom. And I, I think that's so true. I think we're we're made to be free people, and uh, which is funny because we say we want freedom, and then we work a hundred hours a week. Right, right. Well, or or if you're if you're uh, you know you go from the the 
working 40 hours a week to, to working 100, right? I, I want to get right. some freedom, so I'm going to go <laughs> I'm going to go work triple what I've been doing. But, but I but I do what I love every day. So how like exactly. how much better can it get? Exactly. Exactly. Well, that's the point. That's the point. It's the the, yep. the journey along the way. So so what have you learned? So let's let's go down that road for a second. What have you learned about enjoying the journey, so to speak? That not letting the getting so far into the weeds that you miss what's happening right in front of you and and how blessed your life's been. There was there was a small there was a time where I was really really impatient and I couldn't see one I couldn't see the progress that I made and I couldn't see that like looking back saying how far I've come but then I would also think like oh man I'm not at this point yet I'm not at this point and I was delaying happiness till I got to that point. But then I would get there and I would say, well, I have to get to this other thing. And, and the, part of it was like comparing my chapter one to somebody else's chapter 20 kind of thing. Yeah. But then it was, it was also this, this feeling of, of, of not being satisfied and wanting things to sort of happen overnight. But then I just, you know, I realized that I'm never going to be happy if I keep living like this, if I keep delaying happiness until. So I started being more mindful and just sort of trying to slow my life down a little bit and being really present in the moment and seeing, okay, things are going great right now. And of course I want to have all these goals because progress for me is happiness. So every day I want to be making some progress, but I got to be happy with where I'm at because if I'm not, I'm not going to be happier tomorrow when, you know, I earn an extra $10,000 or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever number it is or whatever thing it is. So that was something that was, it was, it was pretty hard for me to to really get to that point. And I still struggle with it, you know, but, but a lot of it has just been just being more mindful. Like I've been meditating a lot and like without getting too like, you know, too out there, but, sure. uh, but just trying to be, you know, being more mindful and, and a lot more introspective and sort of being in touch with like what's going on and, and, and the progress that I'm making and the, the great things that I have in my life. Like I just celebrated my one year wedding anniversary and all that. So like, things are good, you know, so I got to learn to be happier with that sort of thing. That's fantastic. What what have you along those same lines, right? So you've interviewed the best of the best in Mm -hmm. a a very specific profession. What have you found has been some of the things that has come up time and time again from those people in terms of either things to be mindful of as you're pursuing whatever goal you have or things that they learned along the way or, you know, the, just, just the, the stuff that is consistent, no matter, no matter the person. It's funny that you just said consistent because that's the one thing that really sticks out is the consistency of putting in the work day in and day out. So it's harder, it's harder to do something five minutes a day for a month than it is to do one day a month for five hours. Mm. So a lot of people with their practice routines or with their whatever it is, they're meditating, their, their, their gym schedule, their sales calls, whatever it is, the people think that it has to be this grand gesture that really moves the ball farther down the court. But what all of these people that I've interviewed, what I've experienced experienced in my my own life and building my own businesses is that it's literally the minute things that you're doing, the boring, unsexy stuff that you're doing every single day, but doing it every single day. And that's the key. And all everybody that I've talked to and interviewed, it's been that it's like 
I'd rather hit the practice room for, you know, an hour a day every day than, you know, 10 hours in one day or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. The consistency, the, the, is it, is it based, is it uh, a habit thing or is it more so just the presence? I think it, I think presence? it is, totally. Yeah, a habit thing. I think it's a habit. Because yeah. it, obviously it's easier to do a simple little thing repeatedly every day mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. you can build on that habit. It's, it's almost like the, it's easier to, to do a, or it's harder to do like a random act of kindness every day than to write a $10,000 check, mm-hmm. you know, because you have to, it's, it's doing it every single day and being conscious of it and working on it every, I, like I'm fascinated by, by habit and, and creating new habits. So I've read a lot about it. I've studied a lot about it. I've created a lot of habits in my own life mm-hmm. and and it's hard and people think one, you know, everybody wants to just jump in and, and go, go full steam ahead. And then they think, Oh man, I gotta, I gotta have all this, uh, all this stuff has to happen in two days. And, mm-hmm. and if it doesn't happen, then what am I going to do? Or a lot of people don't get started at something because they say, Oh, that's going to take two years. Well, who cares? The two years is going to pass either way. So right. why not work on, why not work on this thing? Yeah. So, but the consistency—it's—it's it's hard and patience. It's—it's it's not an easy thing. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. I think a lot of us are future focused, right? We're all we're constant improvement and thinking about the goal we want to hit and that kind of thing. And the, and that always is. There's always a future, right? There's, if I asked you, if I said, Dave, let me ask you a question. Do you think that you'll be in better shape in a year? You would say, of course. Yeah, I'm gonna. Right. Yeah, I'm gonna do my gym. Do you think you're gonna make more money in a year? Yeah, yeah, of course I will. You know, do you think that like. Your relationships are going to be better in a year. You're going, yeah, of course. You know, and everybody, nobody says, no, I bet I'm going to be 20 pounds heavier than I am and I'm going to be making less money and my marriage is going to fall apart. Right. You know, the Yet, future's the future's always the happy place. Right. Well, and there's always a future until there's not, right? Until right. the it, I like to say, you know, the the bus the bus is waiting right around the corner potentially to hit me as I as I walk out the front door, you know. Right. You never know. Right. You never know. So and, but you know, I I think a lot of people just and myself included, put off happiness to the future because they say, well, I'll be happy when or I'll be successful when or I'll be content when. And it's just, you know, I think it's a ba- I think it's a bad way to live. Yeah, it's it makes it more obvious that happiness is a choice, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. If I have that's, if I have X, then I will be happy. Well, that's that's me deciding that I have to wait until X to be happy. So why don't I decide right. to be happy now? Well, that's, you know, not to go off on too much of a tangent, but that's what happened with the housing crisis. Right. They said, listen, your your payments are going to go up in 24 months from here to here. And everybody said the same thing. They said, well, I'll be making more money by then. We'll be able to afford it. We'll save money and we'll put it away. And it's because everybody has a better outcome. Everybody thinks their situation in the future is going to be better than it is now. Not that I'm saying that it's not going to be. Right. It very well could be. Yeah, very well could. Absolutely. I, I hope that everybody's is. But at the same time, don't put off don't put off your satisfaction and your and your happiness and your thoughts of success to the future. Get them now and mm. pay attention to them now. Mm-hmm. It sounds like that's something that's on your mind a lot lately. It, it has been. Yeah, it's because I've been struggling with it, to be to be completely frank. Yeah. Well, I mean, hey, this is the that's that's part of the deal, right? Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. just being present and being aware and being thinking about how can we be a little better? You know, right. to, and I'm, a, I'm today. A positive. I'm always, you know, I'm always in a good mood and things like that. But internally, it's like sometimes I struggle with just, man, things are great. You know, like, right? Life's pretty good. <laughs> Life is good. Well, you think about it, like you were saying, one foot in front of the other, 
daily grinding every day, step after step, enjoying mm-hmm. the journey as you do, you're going to get to where you want to end up, especially if you're cognizant of, of the potential pitfalls and, you know, work to reduce your, your risks and increase your likelihood of success. That just seems mm-hmm. things you can create an almost inevitability that you're going to be in a better place than you are today, whether that exact goal is what's reached or, you know, whether, whether SACA is cutting you in on the next deal or whatever it is, right. it's, there's still that step by step by step by step five years from now, what is that going to look like? 10 years from now, what is that going to look like? It's, it's right. always going to be a better place, especially if th- that's what I love about the idea of choosing happiness now or choosing joy is the other word that I've version of it that I've seen. Um, it is, it, it doesn't prolong success. It doesn't prolong oh. arrival. You can you can you can arrive right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, unless there's you know, if there's clinical depression going on and things sure. like that, that's a totally different thing. Right. But I, for you know, and and I'm not suggesting that that's not something that's real and and should be looked at. But but from just from like a happiness perspective, it's a it's a mind shift. It's literally focusing on the negatives and focusing on the positives so if you know you can find any situation and you can pick out all the negatives or you can pick and everybody has those friends where it's like hey how are you and it's like ah this thing sucks and this sucks and this sucks. Mm-hmm. and you or you could turn the whole entire thing around and if you're if you're focusing on the positive side of things then then your life is going to be better and you're choosing happiness like you said yeah absolutely so choose happiness folks it's worth Definitely. it it is worth it so any any last words? Right, let's let's talk about where people can find out more about the podcast and what you're doing and and get connected up for some of the future stuff. Sure. Uh, so the the website is drummersresource.com and I'm on all the social channels. I'm at Nick Ruffini on Instagram, at Nick underscore Ruffini on Twitter, and Nick dot Ruffini on Snapchat. And people keep beat people keep beating me to these social channels. To to the underscore? Yeah, I get you know, I, I got a, I got an underscore, a dot, and the other one is just my name. So, and then do they turn around and try and offer that to you for a, a, a set price? No, they're no. just it's just random people who have it that that don't want to give it up. There you go, there you go, and it's Ruffini R U F F I N I for those of you that is there. two F's. You can find Nick there, and uh, much of what we've talked about here on the show today is going to be in our show notes. And uh, I've really enjoyed this conversation; it's been good. We've we've had a, we've had a chance to kind of go off the beaten path and not not hit some of the usual uh, usual suspect questions, which I think mm-hmm. is is always a better a better time and a better conversation. And if people, you know, just to throw this out there to your audience, if yeah. if anybody wants to email me and ask me questions or needs help with their business or whatever the case may be, I am totally down with helping. So. Shoot me an email. I'll be happy to help. Great. And they can find that through the Drummer's Resource website, right? Yeah, they can just contact me. Right. It's just nick at drummersresource.com. But there we are. You can, you can find the contact info on the site, too. Beautiful. Nick, thanks for being on. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Life Work Podcast. Build your business and design your life with us every day, Monday through Friday. And find us at lifeworkpodcast.com.